episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Clayton Lengelzigich. And I'm Roy Vandewater. So guys, we wanted to talk about um, adding new people to an existing uh, Agile team. I'm using air quotes here, so my, my quote-unquote Agile team. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if I hypothetically had one. Is that, is that, if that's possible. Right? If, if that's possible, yes. Um, How agile would you say they are? Well, they're doing agile. On, on a scale from zero to very <laughs> agile. 42. All right. All right. Um, it's pretty agile. <laughs> depends on what the scale is. <laughs> All right. So if we wanted to, uh, let's just say we have an existing team. Uh, they have some existing uh, culture and, and ceremonies and uh, virtues and vices and all of those things. Uh, and now it's time, or at least the organization believes it's time to add new people to the team. Now what? Hire somebody and put them on the team. <laughs> right, yeah, that so easy. The first thing I think that comes to mind is like the storming, forming, norming, performing stuff, right? So maybe you get this agile team that's either in the maybe norming stage or performing stage and they're, um, you know, things are kind of going smoothly. Like you mentioned, they have their, they have their set of maybe working agreements or they've all kind of agreed to certain things and there's certain um, like processes and they have this like kind of team culture and then you drop some new person on and I feel like it kind of just is, you know, you tip over the apple cart and you have to, they have to start all over again, basically. So maybe, maybe it's ideal then to do it as early as possible so they can start over as early as possible and get to performing again as quickly as possible. Well, and I, but that, you know, I don't think any organization really optimizes for not disrupting the teams, right? Like someone at some level decides that they need to hire new people, whether that's we need to get rid of this budget that we have or the team isn't going fast enough. So if we just had more people, they'll go faster. You know, like that mapping makes sense in their mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're never going to really like, they don't necessarily care about the, the teams. um, I don't know, like the gel of the team. Right. Right. That's That's not going to be a concern. Let's face it. There's there's probably a problem, right? There's, there's a reason that's driving, uh, the organization want to hire people, and it's probably not because we have t- so much money that we just need to hire more people. Yeah, True, it's okay. a Facebook Fair problem. <laughs> we just have to get rid of all these piles of cash. The problems I wish I had. <laughs> uh, you know, the, so the I would assume that the team is not performing to somebody's standard, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so now there's going to be some subtle or not uh, pressure to enhance the team's performance by adding someone. So I've seen this on a team where the the team was consulted, and mm-hmm. so the management went to the team and said, "Hey, like we want you to go faster, we want to get you another person, and we're willing to pay for this person. Like, what do you think?" And in our case, we had the the, the team unanimously go like, "Nah, like we got enough troubles as it is. Like we think that adding a new person to the mix right now isn't going to really make us faster. It's just going to make things more complicated and and actually potentially slow us down, while costing you more money at the same time." Yeah, I think that was a, a kind of a sign of maturity. I think on. Um, team with a similar situation of they all realize that if you add another person that's going to probably cause more problems even though maybe um, the team as it is now from like a skills perspective is lacking in certain skills and you could find someone that could fill that gap Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the team realized that the overhead it would take and the time it would take to get that person up to speed just from like a human cultural perspective was you know greater than um, you know that was a bigger deal than filling that skills gap in the short term. So what about the team's response to the um, 
I guess, the assumed shortfall in their performance. Did they think about it from that side as well? Well, and I think the one thing that's kind of interesting, you know, take most whatever kind of the average corporate team, even if it's an agile team or scrum team or whatever it is, um, I think if they have lived the traditional corporate life with the traditional corporate managers, um, then they're going to be fairly isolated from, I don't think they make that connection, basically. I don't think they realize that wanting to add a new person means that someone thinks they're going slow. But but even if they did, like they if they're like like in the team that I was on when they when they said like we don't think that adding this person will make things go faster, like then it, even even if somebody feels they're underperforming, like yes, there's now pressure to perform better. But if you if the team's being realistic about like even if we add this person, we won't go faster. Then it like it's like it doesn't matter, right? Well, yeah, and I think the team in whether it's performance or if it's a skills gap thing, I think um, you know if the team realizes that. Whatever you're, whatever you're trying to solve, Mister Manager, by adding this new person, you know, based on what we think, it's not going to solve the problem. I don't know really what the manager can say other than at some point, if they really have to do it, they're just going to assert their authority and just put well, the person on the team, right? Well, so I think at that point, like if you really need that, if you need more people for whatever reason, like I think the right thing at that point might be to form a new team. The only problem is like if if you have teams working on different products then what do you do like split off one of the products give to the new team and how do you deal with domain knowledge transfer and and then or if you don't have enough products like you just spin up a new product like that doesn't make your old product go any faster right so what so what happens if i if i'm mr manager and i decide that you know what you're getting a new person what's going to happen to that team well i think i think part of what clayton said about them going through the whole forming storming thing is, is pretty accurate like there's it's probably going to be even worsened by the fact that the team feels betrayed by management because their opinion didn't count. And now they were they have this new person that was pushed onto the team that they're already resentful about, right? But I'm doing it for their own good. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's like the control uh, podcast that we talked about last week, right? Like, even if you tell people what to do for their own good, like there there's an automatic resentment that happens where if you let people discover that for themselves, they're a lot more likely to buy in. But I think that... Um you know, if you were to add that person to the team, like if you take the, uh, you know, a, a team that is performing to some degree or they've kind of gelled together, um, you know, a lot of times I think you'll see that they all have some certain amount of respect for everyone. So if someone says, mm-hmm. hey, we should start, you know, uh, we should pair on every task. Like if it's a you know reasonable team that has gelled to some degree, they're not going to just throw that out of hand and think that, you know, this person's crazy. Right. It's like, okay, I'm going to take that as a valid point and we're going to talk about it as a team and that's totally acceptable. And then you throw the new person on and they might have totally different opinions about all the working agreements and all the norms that this team has established already. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in reality, the team wants to treat them like a normal person, like the same as everyone else, but they almost can't because they're a you know, newbie, right? Right. So you can't really treat them with the same amount of respect and you can't really take their input uh, at face value because, you know, there's this new person. What do they know? They haven't been around with us this whole time. They haven't been in the trenches or whatever you want to say. But, but I think you have that problem regardless of whether or not the team chose to add that person to, like, to bring on that person, right? Like, I think you might have more resentment if they were forced that person by management, but if they chose to hire a new person, you're still going to run to the same thing at first. Like, I think that's part of the forming and storming process. Yeah, to some degree. So, I mean, okay. So let's say that they the team did choose to bring someone on. They went to the manager and they said, we want more people or, yep. you know, we we're, we need this thing. Um, I could see that even going wrong if the interview process was a traditional interview that had nothing to do with the culture and nothing to do with the team. And it was all about, like, technical aptitude and 
you know, do you answer these five? So they went through the HR process. Yeah, they went through the HR process. I would imagine that the team, even though said we want someone, they're going to get some crappy person they don't actually want. But I mean, I've had that personal experience where I was brought into a team with a fairly, fairly progressive interview process, right? Not the standard HR thing. And there was still that initial like forming, storming, and oh, like, sure. all well, of that I mean, stuff the, that the was going on. The model says every time you change a team, they will yeah. go through that. Right. Right. The, the, the difference is in a mature team, they might go through it quicker, yeah. right? Yeah. And, I, and less painfully. But they will always go through that process right. every time you change that team dynamic. Well, so, you know, I guess to get to maybe another part of this topic, um, if I wanted, well, if I wanted <laughs> to hire someone else, if the team said that they wanted someone or yeah. whatever, the team was open to it, you know, what would be like a reasonable interviewing process to make sure that the, to make sure the team could go through those stages as fast as possible? Uh, well, first off, I think the team should be uh, as heavily involved in the interview process as possible. Like I could see HR or management or whatever doing some like high level filtering to get the obvious like idiots out. But but before anybody comes onto the team, like every member of the team should have a say in it. I feel. In terms of like, it should be like a unanimous decision, basically. Of if someone comes in, the team should interview them, and they only get hired if everybody says yes. Well, I don't even mean just a unanimous decision. I mean it should be everybody on the team should have interaction with the candidate too. Like we can have a unanimous decision where like Clayton's the only person that actually talked to this potential hire, but I trust Clayton's judgment. So I'm going to, I'm going to like thumbs up it. But I feel that if somebody's going to get added to the team, everybody on the existing team should interact with that person and have an opportunity to um, assess them in their own way. So doesn't that make hiring really expensive? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how, how expensive is it when you hire the wrong person and you've got them on salary and you can't fire them? Right, I mean that sounds way more expensive in the long run. That's a problem for future us, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, future us. For now, us that. that costs us a lot of money, and, and, and that's totally discounting the idea of like uh, introducing this bad apple into the team and completely poisoning their chemistry. And now you don't just have the cost of the person you just hired that doesn't fit, but then also the cost of paying everybody on the team now that's not performing because they all hate their lives. Uh, so, what are you trying to say? Uh, I'm trying to say that one bad person can totally ruin everything on that team. So it's higher slow. Yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting, to- though, is if you, uh, I mean, so if you, you assume that that's the right, or you take that as the perfect advice and you say, okay, I'm not higher slow. Um, I would guess that most people that are, you know, development managers, probably the channels they're using to find people are the wrong channels in the first place. So this is like a very painful lesson to learn of, I want to hire people that are going to be a good fit for the team, that can fit culturally, that all these other things, all, all the check boxes that are not the traditional HR check boxes. Mm-hmm. But when I get the recruiter people, I get the wrong people every single time. So, so maybe I, you should start looking at the local bar. Well, I mean, yeah, like where would I go, right? I mean, right. how would I know? Um, how would I know a better place to to find people? I mean, the only thing I have is I submit something that goes through HR and they do something with it, and I get people back. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, you would tough. never hire anyone, it seems, right? Mm-hmm. What happens sometimes, right? If a team becomes self-aware and empowered to make that decision, and now they don't ever want to hire anybody ever again. Yeah, and I yeah. can imagine that would happen, right? Yeah, we've seen it happen in, in places that we've worked where sure. it's become almost impossible for them to hire people. Right. Hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily always a bad thing, though. Yeah. But it it can be. Because like it, it reduces the potential for growth. Right. But maybe Let's say that- we're, we're successful, right? Our product's doing well, and we need to grow. Right. 
how do we how do we do it well? Well, I mean, there's I can the, tell you all the things not to do because I've done them all. We've talked about the the like two two pizza rule before, right? Like, or the you know a team of seven plus or minus two. Once you get beyond nine people, it becomes really hard for the people within that team to really know the other people that they work with. So, I mean, once you get to that point, I kind of and you have to grow. I think that's the time to spin up a new team. I think that's difficult, especially from a domain knowledge perspective. But I think at a certain point, like you have to split off into a new team. Yeah. And that does it, that, how does that fix the problem? Fix which problem? Which one are if you we're trying, trying to, to? If we're trying to add people to the company, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we split into new teams. I mean, that's tough. I would try to take the existing team, like if you have a team of nine, try to split that into a team of five and four or something like that. Right. But now I mean, we need to hire four more people. Right. And then if the team says like we don't want to split, like we like working with each other too much that we don't want to split up, like that's really tough. I don't. I don't have an answer for that. Well, and I think that's just the reality of you know, if you want good teams that are going to gel, then it's going to take time for that to happen. And if you need to change that, then there's going to be a penalty. But mm-hmm. you know, if the and, you know, your example, if the product is growing and you need to hire more people and you need to expand and do more stuff, whatever that is, then that's a price you have to pay, right? I guess if you really have good people on the team that are high performers and want to learn and change and all that, at a certain point, once they've been working with each other long enough, they are going to reach an equilibrium in which they stop gaining as much advantage from each other because they've already learned most of what they can from each other. And if they're really high performers, they're going to want new blood into the system that they can learn from. They're going to want to bring in people that are better than themselves so that they can uh, gain new skills and gain new insights from. So if you have the right people at a certain point, they will not, they, they will no longer be content with the people they currently work with and will insist on bringing in new people. Yeah, I guess you could say it, it would be a smell if you didn't ever want to hire anyone else. Yeah. So right. let's take the other side of that coin and, and say that um, I'm a, a manager of some sort, and I've realized that this is this is what's going on, right? That for the for the health of the organization, mm-hmm. we need to grow, but my team doesn't want to do it. Right? How do I help them understand the the need and the appropriateness of this growth? So part of it is being fully transparent. I think I think the this it sounds dead simple. But the idea of like sitting down with the team and explaining to them like, hey, this is where I see the company heading and I really feel like we need more people to solve this particular problem where I want to start up this product or I want to scale this or whatever. Like I think the first step is being totally transparent with the team about why you need to grow. Yeah, and I, I think you could, I mean, let the team be self-organizing and explain that you want this to happen and, uh, you know, or, you know, the, whatever. The company is growing. We need to get, we need to expand. So how would you guys like to address this? Right. I mean, I think that's probably the the safest way. I mean, obviously, people are not going to like that to some degree, but um, that's much better than just coming in and saying, "Hey, we've decided that uh, we're going to get bigger. We're hiring two new people, and you three are on this team, and you four are on this other team, and we'll let you know how it goes." You know, Mm -hmm. like that would be way worse than just saying, "We have this problem. We want you guys to solve it somehow by reorganizing yourselves." So self-organization. Yeah, I mean, like, why not just live that, you know, yeah. you know, live that up the chain, basically. I mean, you do run the risk of the team saying, we don't want to change and we don't care. Like, why do we even need to grow? But I think at a certain point, like, if they are really a good team, they're going to be respectful of the organization's needs and find a good solution. Just like they did whenever you had some, like, impossible story for them to do. Yeah, that's good. On that note, we'll wrap it up here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you. 
Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to InnerGrimTech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at AgileWeekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out IntegrumTech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.